My wife, Beth, my three kids, and then many of the families here at this church, they've been working so hard on this particular expression of art. We're talking about memorizing lines. In our home, we're hearing these songs from Shrek practice at all hours of the night. I mean, the songs are in my head. Multiple rehearsals. And then there's the really the, the glamorous part of, of show business, which is striking down the set, sweeping, cleaning the venue where it was held at, um, not having disposable time. I mean, it was hard, hard work for all of the students, all of the families, getting costumes together. I mean, the amount of time that went into this production is just crazy. But here's the interesting thing about this hard work. At the end and all throughout the process, I saw, I saw my family and then the other families connected with this program laughing and smiling and having a great, great time. How many know that when we work hard at something we love, it's some of the most fun we'll ever have? Before the fall of mankind, before sin entered the world, Mankind worked. We worked. We did meaningful work to cultivate the earth under the direction of God and the leadership of God. Now work has become kind of this dirty word. You know, we're thinking work restricts us and work limits us. But when things are ideal, when we're in our sweet spot, work is a joy and work it's fun. As we're talking about prayer, I want to invite you to your review to take notes today. Because here's the first point that I want to make about prayer. As today, I want to just lift the value of prayer. And I want to motivate you as I talk about partnership with God. Here's the first point. Prayer is work. Prayer is work. I had to set this up. Because if I just said right away, hey, prayer is work, it would reinforce some of the stereotypes that we have. The stereotypes is that prayer is boring, prayer is obligatory, prayer is something we do out of guilt. And because traditionally prayer hasn't been really strong for me, I, I've been a person who can read great volumes of scripture and reading the Bible is pretty easy for me. Traditionally, prayer has been difficult for me by God's grace, I, I'm, I'm, I've learned much, and, and I can say that, that I'm, I'm pretty strong in prayer right now. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to give some moral authority for the sermon. You know, I don't want to say, hey, I'm terrible at prayer, but here's my points. But it's taken a long time. And, and I've realized that there is an element of work to prayer. We've got to schedule it. We've got to turn off the television. We've got to turn off the radio or the, the phone and we've got to give time to think about God. You know, a lot of our, our, our prayer time is thinking about God. We have to position ourselves to receive from the Lord. And it takes some intentionality. It takes some effort. It takes some work. But it's the type of work that is joyful and fun and makes a difference. Well, let's talk about this whole idea of prayer as work. And I want us to look into the future. The future that God has for us. And I want us to go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. Now your notes in a new version, it says verse 20. Because this is 
Verse 20 is such a famous scripture, and there it is on the screen too, but I meant to say verse 21. So if 21 is not on the screen, we'll have to use our Bibles and that will be okay. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21 talks about our future with God, and it says, Jesus said this, the victor, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne. So this is Revelation chapter 3 verse 21. I know we're kind of scrambling maybe to, because it's not in our notes or the electronic U version, but you can listen to me in here. This is Jesus talking. The victor, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne just as I also won the victory and sat down with my father on his throne. Now, what do you do on a throne? On a throne, you rule. On a throne, you make decisions. I want to be real clear here that this never means we'll ever be equal to Jesus. That's impossible. Unlike a lot of the cults and the Christian cults that will wrongly teach that we'll someday be little gods. That's not the case here at all. Jesus will always be supreme. We'll always worship him. We'll always be subservient to him. But there's this future reign of God that's coming where Jesus says, I'm preparing my people to be on the throne to partner with me, to reign with me. God's calling us to partner with him. He's always in charge. He's always in control. He's always the decision maker. But as God's will is unfolding upon the earth, we're going to rule and reign and be on the throne with him. Now, this same concept is very close by in Revelation chapter 5 also, in verse 10. It says, you made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. This idea as God's people submitted to him, learning his ways, learning his principles, uh, taking the scripture and feeding on them and living out the scripture. We say this in humility. We get to partner with God. And that partnership with God starts now when we pray. When we pray, we begin to call upon God call upon his power, call upon his influence, call upon him to assert himself here on the earth. It's an act of humility. Pride says, we got it, God. We're going to be smart enough. We're going to be innovative enough with our education, with our scientific breakthroughs, you know, with, with our understanding of the mind and psychology. We'll figure it out, God. All of those things are good, and none of those things oppose Christianity. As Christians, we should care about science. We should care about the makeup of the brain and psychology. We should care about these issues and know that they are not enemies of Christianity. All wisdom comes from above. But God is going through prayer. We partner with God. And through prayer, God will give us scientific breakthroughs. Through prayer, God will give us understanding of, of health care and how we can give more health care to more people. With partnership with God, we can see through prayer his movement and his innovation and his breakthrough in the earth. He's asking us to invite him because we need to invite God. We need to include God in prayer. We've been called to Reign the earth under the leadership of God. That's why we should care about our planet. 
this, I don't know how this, this attitude that conservationism and care for the environment, care for the planet is anti-Christian. The opposite. God created this planet and he's called us to be stewards of this planet. And we don't, when we don't care for this planet, we're not walking in the will of God. Christians should be most concerned about the condition of our planet, about stewarding the earth, about conservationism. We should care about justice. We should care about systems of poverty, that cycles of poverty that keep people not realizing their God potential. And so we should care about education. And we should care about the structure of government. And we should care about opportunity. And this all starts in the place of prayer. Because when you begin to pray, God begins to speak to us. And we begin to reflect his heart. And then we begin to, by his leadership, be the answer to the prayer. By pushing away materialism. By pushing away selfishness. By pushing away the self-serving aspects of the American dream and instead taking up a cause that reflects the heart of God. This is what happens when we rule and reign with God. What God is going to do when his full kingdom is in fruition as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. This is the call. This is why prayer is important. This is why I decided not just to take a week off of preaching on prayer because it's Father's Day, because I don't know a greater gift a father can give than to be a man of prayer. And you're never going to pray if you don't believe prayer matters. If you don't believe prayer makes a difference. Prayer does something. And so it is that that future reign of God that will come into full fruition, that we will reign with him. And so we start now through prayers and through living out those prayers. And that's why God is going to help us see the joy of praying and praying and praying. Now, whenever you work, the hardest thing to do is to take the first step. You know, that's the hardest part of work. Let's say this. I'm going to show you this picture because I bet you have this work at home right now. Laundry, right? Huh? How many know there is nothing within us that wants to tackle that laundry? I'm just impressed that that laundry is in a laundry basket because there's little piles all over my house. And, you know, with five of us living there, there's just clothes. There's, it's just we could perpetually do laundry and it, could, it would never, ever end. It would never, ever end. We just keep that washing machine going over and over and over again. The stuff gets washed. Stuff gets dried. We're at the point now where all five of us do our own laundry, which uh, causes some fights about people who have left stuff in the dryer or haven't gone from the washer to the dryer. So our clothes get clean. They just never get folded. It just never happens. So there's just, there's clean piles, dirty piles, kind of in between piles, kind of clean, kind of dirty. There's laundry everywhere. So that's no fun. What about those closets? Huh? Do you have one of these closets here? Man, one of these closets, it's just like, where do we go? And we have some of those here around the church. And, and how do you start that? What about your garden? Some of our gardens look like this. And it, it, those are weeds there, man. And, and think about this. It's like, where do you start with that? I mean, that just seems overwhelming. How are you going to start this? Here's how you start is you start with the first step, whether it's something as simple as laundry or as big as changing your career. You start with the first step because the first step is, is the hardest step. But guess what happens if you fold that piece of cloth 
or you update that resume, or, or you decide, hey, I don't have any savings. I'm going to start putting $10 a week into savings, you know, because if you do that, you'll have 500 bucks at the end of the year. I'm preaching to myself right now. So um, uh, it, it takes that first step. But guess what happens? If you take the first step, guess what you get? You get results. All right. And, and guess what results produce? Results produce motivation. If you wait until you're motivated to take the first step, you'll never take the first step. This is one of the most important principles that I've learned in my life. In fact, I'll I'll say this to you probably once a quarter. It just kind of pops up in the sermon because it's so important. If you wait until you're motivated to start, you'll never start. But if you go, if you go jump on that treadmill, if you go dust that corner, if you pick up the Bible again, if you get a reading plan, and if you start and you start feeling results, high school kids, if you start your summer reading in June, uh-oh, uh-oh, huh? If you start your summer reading in June instead of July, and you start reading a little bit, then motivation kicks in, and motivation produces results. Here's my second point today. Prayer produces results. Prayer produces results. If you don't believe it, try it sometime. A lot of times some of us don't pray because we've never seen the power of God move in prayer. As we begin to pray, we begin to see the results of prayer. John chapter 15, verse 5, we understand this very important thing about the presence of God. Jesus said this. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him, this is talking about a relationship, not just a prayer list but a friendship with God produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. He's talking about spiritual fruit here. You cannot produce spiritual fruit without the presence of God. You can get stuff done, but you cannot produce spiritual fruit without the presence of God. That's why when Pastor Matt said, hey, we're going to camp this Thursday. Here's the prayer list. God's going to move because you pray. Why? Because prayer produces results. Prayer makes a difference. We need to believe it. We need to be reminded of it. We need to know it in our heart. You heard the testimony from Beth today about Carson and how we're seeing results. We're seeing results because people are in prayer. And I think about some of you, maybe some of you have a big story that's important to you that we don't know today. We're not necessarily celebrating it from the, from the stage or, or recognizing it from the stage is a better way to put that. And I want you to know that, that what's on your heart today matters. What's on your heart today makes a difference. And don't harden your heart towards the process. Pray. Pray with someone. Pray with a prayer partner here at the church in a few minutes when we open that. Ask someone to pray with you. Humble yourself because prayer produces results. Jonathan read our key scripture today out of James chapter 5, verse 16, and I want to review some of that with you today. It says, the intense prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. Now that's intimidating because I'm thinking, wow, I'm not very righteous Well, Jesus has made us righteous, and then I'm so glad for the next verse because the next verse says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah, the famous guy in the Bible. We have all these incredible stories about Elijah, but 
But here, the, the, the Holy Spirit is saying through the Apostle James, he's saying, hey, he was like us. He had a nature like us. He got grumpy. He got mad. He was sinful. Yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. The environment itself, the weather pattern submitted to God through the prayers of Elijah. Wow, that's huge to hear. And that, that was certainly situational for God getting the glory on a national basis. Elijah was a man like us. Our prayers produce results. You watch, you watch what happens when you become consistent in prayer. Sometimes it doesn't happen as fast as we want it to, but it will happen. It will happen if we believe. You know what happens to me a lot? I pray about stuff, and because I'm ADD, I pray about these things, and weeks later, months later, even years later, it hits me. Oh, God answered that prayer. I'm not smart enough to remember. I'm not disciplined enough to remember. But then I realized, man, God answered that prayer. And it just hits me. I think when we're in heaven and when God's getting all the glory, we're going to be amazed at all the prayers God answered that either we have forgotten or that we didn't realize in the first place. What often happens, it happened this week with another teenager in this church. I hear this particular guy's on his way to the hospital. Our little community, we're concerned. We start praying. We get there, they check him out, and they didn't find any physical symptoms that I know of at this day. Hey, what could have happened? God could have healed that young man between the phone call and, and the diagnosis of the doctors. I think we're going to find out in heaven healing has happened when we haven't even realized it because God is in between point A and point B and he's intervening. And so faith helps us to believe that. It believes that, hey, prayer produces results. Prayer makes a difference. Have you ever been telling a story to someone and you're telling the story with great animation and excitement and you realize no one's listening to you. This is the story of my life. As a child, I've been told that I talked and talked and talked and talked and talked all the time. And this happened to me recently. I, I went up to a small group of people and I had a story to tell and the story started and I had some eye contact and I'm getting into the story and I looked in the main person I was telling it to wasn't listening. He had turned his head. I looked to the right. The other person was looking at their phone. I looked to the left. The third person had walked away. And I am telling this story to the air. So I, out of the corner of my shoulder, I hear someone say, Pastor Aaron. And I turned around and there was this young lady. She said, I'm actually listening. And we laughed about the story. And and it was obviously not a very good story. And I tell, I've told a lot of those here in front of you. I see you guys sleeping too. So this, again, I tell you, it's my life. But you tell this great story and no one's listening to you. I mean, it's, it's demoralizing, isn't it? You know, I, I see that happen a lot in, in, in the restaurants and the tables when there's there are groups of people getting and everybody's on top of each other and trying to get the story in. And it's like, hey, I give up. I give up. I'm not going to talk. I just wasted that story. Here's what I want to encourage you with today. It's my third point is this, is that prayer is not wasted. Prayer is not wasted. It's never wasted. Even when, even when we don't get the intended results in the timeline that we want, I think the Lord wants to show you today, your prayers are never wasted 
even if you prayed for a healing that didn't occur, even if you prayed for a revival that you have not yet seen, our prayers are never wasted. God sees our prayers as precious and special to Him. I want to go back to the book of Revelation, and we'll go to, you know, Revelation's hard. It's a hard book, and I think in my opinion, a lot of people have messed up Revelation trying to guess at what was said. And we'll get there, to, we'll get there in a second. Let me scare, share with you two other scriptures before we go to Revelation. The first one is this, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This will encourage you today. Now, this is a confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. I want you to have confidence in that. It's a beautiful scripture. Jesus hears our prayers. He doesn't hear prayer. When, when, when we talk about God's will there, I think it's, it's specifically talking to morality. You know, God, if, if we're praying, oh God, you know, do something, do something evil to this person. That, that, that's out of God's will. And, and I could play this game and give a couple of other scenarios, but I think you can understand what I'm talking about. But when we're praying according to Scripture, according to biblical truths, according to things that reflect the character of God revealed in Scripture, He hears us. And He hears us and He knows what is happening. In Acts chapter 10, there was a man named Cornelius that the Lord came to him and brought... He, he was a, a, a man who believed in the, in the Jewish faith even though he was not a Jew and God brought salvation and the Holy Spirit to Cornelius' house and in, in verse 3 it says about 3 in the afternoon he distinctly saw in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him Cornelius, we're obviously in the middle of the story, in verse 4 looking intently at him he became afraid and said what is it Lord and the angel told him your prayers and your acts of charity have come up as a memorial offering before God. There was spiritual breakthrough in Cornelius' life, and God was saying, I've heard your prayers, and I've seen what you've done, and they have been memorial offerings to me. Our prayers are something that go to the throne of God. Back to Revelation. Revelation, I think what... That book tells us about the future, and it helps us most when we allow the book of Revelation to reveal God's character. If you, book, if you um, use the book of Revelation to try to figure out the news, you're wasting your time. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. You're just wasting your time. It's fairy tale stuff. Because God's sovereign. God's in control. He said to be ready for his coming, and that is, that is what we need to be. The book of Revelation then reveals his character. It reveals his character in the events that are before us. And so now we go back to this difficult language that we're going to see something beautiful about God hearing our prayers. Revelation chapter 5 verse 8 says, When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and a gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. This metaphorical language is letting us know that as we can imagine God's throne, we see that an important aspect of God's throne is the prayers of the saints. Meaning that our prayers are not hitting a ceiling in the heavens. 
Our prayers are going to the throne of God. Our prayers are going straight to the throne of God. And they're, they're beautiful to the Lord. Our prayers, because of God's sovereign, sovereign movement in our life, are, are connected to the throne of God and, and create an aroma that pleases God. He loves it when we pray. And that's why, even though prayer is work and pr prayer produces results, we have to realize that more than that, prayer is love. It, it's expressing our love to God. And so, in Revelation chapter 8, verse 2 and 4, this theme continues. Then I saw the seven angels who stood in the presence of God, seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar. He was given a large amount of incense to offer with the prayer of all the saints. On the gold altar, in front of the throne, the smoke of the incense with the prayer of the saints went up in the presence of God from the angel's hand. Now remember, Revelation is talking about the future. It's talking about this, is that all of our prayers... All of our prayers are at the throne of God. Part of the atmosphere of the throne of God. That's why no prayer is wasted. No prayer, no prayer is something that is a waste of time because God is, is part of the incense and it's filling, it will fill the bowls of heaven using that metaphorical language there. So there, there'll come a time when all of our prayers will fill heaven itself. This is powerful. And I know no one likes to be read to, but Mike Bickle gives some revelation or, or gives his opinion on Revelation 5, and it's so good, I wanted, us, I wanted to, to read it to you. He says this. He says, I believe the prayers we offer today will still be effective in the distant future, 500 or 5,000 years from now. What we accomplish in prayer affects events on the earth today and also those in the distant future. Our prayer, the prayers now for cities and nations will continue to have an impact in the age to come. The prayers for revival and justice offered by all the saints from the whole of history will be fully answered together at the end of the age. These prayers did not die out after they were partially answered by the revivals in history. Our prayers have a significant partial release in our generation and a greater, more complete release in the future even in the age to come. This, this, what this is saying is this, is that part of why God is moving in our church today is that some of the pioneers that came to Tennessee 200 years ago started praying for the gospel to be here in this land. You know, 100 years ago when churches begin to birth and churches begin to grow and denominations begin to move here that there was this belief God has a plan for Tennessee. Here in Hendersonville, in Gallatin, in this northern part of Sumner County, which, which was part of the Second Great Awakening, those prayers for God to move didn't end when those people perished or left this earth. We are benefiting from those prayers today. And when we gather, we don't know Jesus could come back today. I'm well aware of that. 
but when we gather here and we pray and we establish the kingdom of God and establish the presence of God here in this place, those 20 years from now and 100 years from now and 250 years from now will benefit because we've welcomed the presence of the Lord. Our prayers are not lost. Our prayers are not wasted. Our prayers are at the throne of God. They're incense to God. And he is collecting our prayers. And we get to see, we get to see a measure of them. Sometimes God breaks in and heals people. Sometimes God brings revival to to a city. Sometimes God uh, brings unexpected resources. And so we pray and we ask, but we know this is that there's coming a day when God is going to establish his rule and reign on the earth, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, everyone will acknowledge that our God is above all, all gods. He's incomparable. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And we have the privilege in prayer to say, as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. No wasted prayer, no wasted time. God's raising up a people of prayer who are not just doing it for selfish reasons. We're praying for the next generation. We're praying for the next 300 years. We're establishing light in a dark place. We are those who are advancing the kingdom of God through our prayers. And so brothers, sisters, your prayers are not wasted. And I hope that today this encourages you. Keep praying. Keep prevailing in prayer. Keep enduring in prayer. Redevelop your prayer life. You know, at some, these, some of these messages we give, some will be practical, like this is how to pray. Today is just calling us to prayer again. Let's lift up that value. Let's believe that God has a plan. Let's believe that God is moving again in our prayers and we can get a glimpse of what the scripture says and God will give us better and better revelation on that. Let's stand together. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. I pray for a culture of prayer within your church, God. A culture of prayer within your church. Lord, shake the lukewarm lukewarm among us. Shake the parts of me that are lukewarm, God. God, we thank you, Lord, that prayer is an act of love. Prayer is an act of humility. Lord, prayer, God, is, is, a, is work, it's discipline. And, and it'll help us to take the first step. Lord, for those who need to take a first step, We just pray that the Lord would show that to him right now. The Lord just want to show you a first step right now. You know, I could have have given you an action point today, but I'm not your teacher. The Holy Spirit's your teacher. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you right now. What step can you take in prayer this this week? I want you to ask the Lord right now. It could involve participation in, in corporate prayer. Like we have a Thursday prayer time at 9.30 a.m. We have a three-week, two or three-week contemplative prayer time this Wednesday, but it may be very individual. It may just be about you changing the environment of your vehicle. You changing the environment, uh, you, you sanctifying your lawn care. Maybe instead of sports talk radio on the lawnmower, you need to give God 15 or 20 minutes of prayer. You can change the world. Listen, 15 minutes in prayer makes a difference. It goes to the throne of God. It's not wasted. It gives results. It makes a difference in a child's heart that's failing. It makes a difference in uh, someone who's rebelling and someone who's turning away from God. Five minutes makes a difference because our God is so powerful. You know, for those in our lives who are hurting, you know, we, we have people who are hurting who have lost people who have lost loved ones recently and the Holy Spirit will comfort them. Our prayers make a difference and and, and the Lord doesn't want you to grieve over what you have not done. The Lord wants you to step into what you can do. The Lord wants us to be future thinking, looking to the future, looking to this week, looking to the days ahead. God help us 
in Jesus' name. Help us to do that. Now, Lord, we dedicate this time of response to you. We want to respond to you and what you have. But, Father, I pray that as we reflect that you would speak to us. We're going to open the table, the Lord, for those of you who want to take communion.